0: Hello and welcome to Check 1-2, a cojones podcast. Where we're giving you the lowdown on testicular cancer by talking to survivors, advocates and supporters of testicular cancer awareness here at the world famous podcast studio Glasgow. So today my first guest is not just a survivor. He's a writer, actor and master of stand-up comedy. So he's out there proving that it really was well worth the chemo. And with his new stand-up routine, it's really shown that he can laugh in the face of adversity. The one, the only, Michael Schaefer.
1: How's How's the show been going anyway? Has it it been going down pretty well? Yeah, it's been great. I mean, Edinburgh was fun. And then I just did it in uh, Zurich last week. And I was when I particularly when I go to like mainland Europe, I'm always interested in like what what's gonna travel like yeah. what's what will people get and not get? but yeah they got it all it was great yeah. um, they were really fun and then I did it in London on Thursday mm-hmm. um, and they were great so that was really fun so yeah, it's been going good I'm doing it in Paris next week um, so yeah it's interesting yeah like every time like every city I go to you kind of work out. You know what's what's what works, what doesn't work. You know, yeah. yeah. So
0: I take it you're headlining when you're going to these places as well. Like yeah. Or- so when
1: I went to Zurich, they put on a show for me, right? Um, and they had like two people opening, and then I did my show. Like mm. I did like the full fifty minutes or whatever at the end. Um, yeah. And then in London, I had an uh, yeah in London same thing, and mm. Paris same thing. It's a nice way to do it. Yeah. It's because I like to see, I like to see the openers as well. Yeah. Okay. it's interesting for me to say like you know who are the comedians in zurich and yeah and what do they talk about yeah. and same so thing with like paris or whatever
0: because it's not somewhere that i could say there's known for its comedy in zurich
1: not at all you know so. mind you there but like it's um it's building like mm-hmm. they've got a bit of a there's a couple of guys there who are like trying to establish an english-speaking comedy scene right. there's a bit of like a german one and like a bit of a french one okay in in switzerland but yeah now they're trying to Trying to build up an English one because they've got the big because there's big comedians now coming through Europe and yeah. and they're adding Zurich to their itineraries. Like I think Jim Jeffries was in there recently. Um, you know, did like the theatre in Zurich. Like yeah. Tom Segura also when it came into the theatre. So I think there is a bit of like momentum. Yeah, I don't think there was anywhere Tom Segura didn't do this
0: year as well. Man, he was everywhere. <laughs> right? Yeah, literally coming everywhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, yeah, yeah, what a great um. Good name for a tour, just because yeah. just kind of sets up what he's doing. Yeah. Um Did you see him? No, no. I, I, I wish I did, but uh, I didn't get the opportunity
0: to. But okay. uh, man, I, I wish I did. Like uh, um, the next time he's over, which is
1: probably going to be in another ten years. <laughs> yeah, try. I mean, it's such an effort for them to yeah. do these like world tours. Yeah. But I feel like, I mean, I imagine he wouldn't. I mean, like, I imagine when he's touring his next show, he'll come and do it all Hopefully. again. Hopefully, I think he got a. Good reception in the UK
0: and things like that. Oh, as I'm well, sure he sold
1: like cra- he sold like crazy. Yeah. Like I'm sure he'll be back within probably three years. I yeah. would have Thought.
0: Yeah. Well, he's he's just he's starting a new hour anyway. So hopefully, mm. you know that that kind of comes across. here. We have seen Louis. Um, we have seen CK when he came here. Yeah. 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 Um, it,
1: Glasgow or Edinburgh. Glasgow. Yeah. yeah. Great.
0: Uh, just at the OVO and man, that was that was a good gig.
1: Man, the Glasgow. I mean, I've done the only one gig in Glasgow it was last night. Mm-hmm. Good crowd. Good crowd. And the place was rammed. Yeah. And they're just like, there's this energy to them. Yeah. Really. And this is, what's it, the word is leery, I think, is what you guys say in very the UK. Much so, yeah. There's girl this girl, real leery yeah. <laughs> to the crowd. It's like, it's exc- what is it? It's excitement, but there's also this like hint of violence as well. In yeah, the air, very you know much know? Sure, yeah. And it's just like a fun thing to play with. <laughs> um, yeah, I really, I really, I found it very interesting. I haven't really, ex- I think in particular you get that like in the north, mm-hmm. like Liverpool, Manchester, oh, Glasgow, sure, yeah. you get yeah. that.
0: Yeah. Anything past the Watford Gap you're going to find, there's that yeah. difference of... Yeah. Interesting,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I found that, um, yeah, it was just interesting kind of like, you know, people told me that Glasgow is like a really great comedy town and mm. it was like just cool to see it in action.
0: In action, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we, you touring in your new stuff. Are you still doing the Wellworth Worth the Chemo or is it a new hour or are you kind
1: of... I'm doing like, I'm working some new stuff. Yeah. So I just did, I didn't do like my show last night, I just did mm. like a 20-minute set at the stand um yeah and when i do that it's just kind of like i try to work in that's when i try to work in some new stuff as Mm. well um you know try to do some local stuff to um just to keep it interesting yeah yeah but it's also a bit also because it's like my first time doing a club yep i also need to also make sure that they, li- I, I do well. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> it's always annoying. It's like, I always like to go around. I'd love to go up and just like fuck around. Yeah. But um, I'm like, oh, I should probably It'd get a few laughs. Me. Yeah, so they book me again. Um, But yeah, no, it was really fun. It's a great yeah. club. Um, Yeah, have you been? Yeah, I've been
0: at the stands, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, a good, it's a great club. Good space, like, you know, in terms it's of- I perfect like, for yeah. comedy. Just like, because that's yeah. what you
1: need. You need like a bit of like, this is underground, like, kind of like- little like dingy there's this grime and this grunginess to it yeah comedy shouldn't be in a nice place no (laughs) it should be in like a bit of a shit place yeah and i don't say the is a shit place but it's like it's just got it's not too nice which is important yeah like i've done clubs where it's like a beautiful theater Mm -hmm. or whatever and it's like people are too serious people take it too seriously
0: it's so different as well i think like it's always seems that like the comics reactions have to be a little bit kind of off as such because the laughter takes a while to go backwards yeah, so it's like you, all of a sudden you know you've you've hit your punchline but the people at the back are still laughing
1: yeah 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 <laughs> you have to like sit you have to wait for people to get it all yeah yeah um yeah comedy should always be in like a pub a bar something that's like that yeah i don't know that's my take on it as soon as you try to make it too uh sophisticated some of the magic gets lost.
0: Yeah, and the theaters and drive-throughs. And yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, what are we doing here? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. um, what was I going to ask you as well is like um, with with the kind of material that you've kind of been talking about, you kind of come into the end of want to talk about your cancer story and your comedy,
1: you know, because you've
0: been I mean, been doing it. How, how many shows
1: yeah I mean I've I probably like two shows because like I mean the first time I spoke about it was when I first got diagnosed yeah. and then I had like and then I kind of started talking about other stuff and then I had like a relapse so I was like well kind of got to talk about this again a little bit yeah Um, yeah so I mean I'm not sick of it but mm. I'm looking forward to like just writing new stuff yeah because you never want to be like pigeonholed
0: yeah you don't want to be the cancer comic yeah
1: yeah yeah you don't want <laughs> to be like oh that's the single testicle comic <laughs> over there um so, yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I just write about, you know, whatever I'm going through in my life and, like, whatever is happening in the world at the mm-hmm. time. So, yeah, I'm always, like, writing new stuff. And, like, look, if, like, you know, something happened, you know, i it to my cancer, like, mm-hmm. I'll talk about it. Yeah. But, you know, if, like, put it this way, if I don't talk about cancer ever again on stage, that means my health is great and things are good, you know what I mean? So, yeah. um, yeah, but I like talking about it. It's not. I'm certainly, I certainly don't get sick of it. I thought I would, mm. but um, yeah, I don't get sick of it because it's one of the few things that I talk about where it's like so universal. Yeah, everyone knows about cancer. Everyone knows about balls. So yeah. you know, there's a you know. So I find it interesting just how it does. Just I could do those. I can talk about this stuff probably any any English speaking country. Yeah. Um, and it would it'd be. I could probably translate the jokes into. Other languages, they probably still work. Still right? work. Yeah.
0: Because uh, I always found that, like, um, see, after I had been through my cancer, I always felt like my mates are going to be sick of me going, well, when I was going through treatment, or just talking about even making my own jokes about myself. Yeah. You know, and then, then you watch, like, yourself up on stage, you're like, God, like, are they... Um, uh, 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 does he not get sick of his own self? So it's it's interesting to hear that, you know, it's still something that, you know, isn't too <laughs> well, bad.
1: Well, I get sick of, like... Um, I get sick of like material, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So it's like if I've been doing a bit for a while and like I know it works, I know it gets a laugh. I'm just like, like I, don't, I, you know, it's not exciting anymore. It's not yeah. fun anymore. Um, so uh, that just happens with all my material. Yeah. Because it's like you know, if it gets a laugh, I'm like, yeah, but I know that was going to work. I'd l- I want to try something else. Um, so yeah, I feel that way a bit about. The cancer material because mm. I'm like, well, I know this works, I know people laugh at it and yeah. whatever. Um, so I, I want to try something else or try a new angle on it or something. Mm. Um, but that's not because I'm sick of talking about cancer, that's just because like I just get bored of my own material, bored of your own material. Yeah, so was it
0: something that um you felt was cathartic when you started doing it anyway? Like, see, because you were you going through treatment when you first started doing jokes about it as well?
1: Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I started, um, yeah, it's an interesting timeline, like I started treatments end of October in 2017 and I didn't do like comedy for a few months because I was like you know still just like I was pretty busy doing, <laughs> yeah. doing chemo um, but yeah then I got to the point where I was like well you know, you know normalcy is really important when you're going through treatment um, that's what I found I was like I just really enjoy the days where like you know I could just have a regular day yeah. and not be in hospital feeling like shit or whatever mm. and I was like well you know for me normal is going out and doing gigs Um and it just happened to be that I was, you know, bald at the time because I was in between rounds of chemo and I looked like shit. Yeah. I'd feel good, but I'd looked awful. Um and so I was like, well, I want to do gigs, but I'm gonna to have to address the fact that I clearly am doing chemo right now. Yeah. Otherwise, you know, it's weird. Everyone's like, Wait, what? Like, <laughs> why did the make a wish kid come here tonight? You know what I mean? So um yeah, it was uh it was just out of necessity that I had to talk about it. Just yeah. cause when you walk on stage you look like that. I don't know, I like guess someone walks on stage and, like, you know, they're missing a leg or something. Everyone's waiting for them to mention the missing leg. Do yeah. you know what I mean? So.
0: Although I've seen you, We, you're bald, dude. There's a there's a quite an infamous picture of you, like, shirtless, where you're rubbing your head. Yeah, you yeah. You look yeah. all right.
1: You know, it's Did like. You, was I
0: pulling it off? I thought you looked like, you know, kind of Deadpool Ryan Reynolds, but I, I, <laughs> look like, I looked more like Uncle Fester <laughs> when I was going through treatment. So, you know, it's like I was, I was looking at you going
1: bastard that's good to know because you know what's annoying because like i did notice like i've got like a bit of a bald patch coming through so it's good to know that when the time comes i'll be able to pull off bald
0: if i have to no you definitely said it
1: i appreciate that um so yeah i mean that's just kind of yeah so i just you know i was doing gigs during during chemo and i just was forced to talk about it Yeah.
0: yeah At least it was pre-pandemic as well, because then that would have been something quite spectacular to kind of want to do whilst you know going through treatment and then going into clubs and stuff. So yeah, at least yeah, you didn't yeah. have that to contend with as well. Yeah, yeah.
1: that's true. So although I, that was when I was first diagnosed, I was in, in 2017, but I did have a relapse when I had my relapse. It was during the pandemic. So, mm. um, but you know, it was really funny because like there was nothing to do during the pandemic. Like so, everyone was just like, "Well, I've got nothing to do." And I'm like, "Well, if I'm going to have, if I'm going to have a relapse, mm-hmm. at least do it now." And there's like nothing else on, you know what I mean? Because like one of the hard things about going through treatment the first time was um, just seeing everyone else's lives, everyone else's like just still living their life. And, yeah. you know, and you compare, you're like, oh, you know, you get jealous and you get upset, and you get, you know, you feel like you're missing out on everything. Um, So mentally that was hard. And then, you know, then I, everyone else's, everyone else's lives have stopped. So I'm like, well, there's like, not like there's any opportunities or things I'm missing out on from doing the chemo right now. So yeah. that was mentally Maybe a little bit easier yeah. in some respects.
0: It's just such a weird thing as well, like to think that you had went through your chemo, you know, you had um went in remission and then to be told in twenty twenty. Yeah. Yeah. So was it was it just a kinda of normal checkup or did you or
1: did you feel unwell? Well, yeah, no, I just kinda of went in for my regular scan. Mm. Um because we were doing scans like every like three to six months at the time. And um yeah, I kind of went into the scan, feeling like, yeah, I feel like it's just feeling pretty good, whatever. But the thing is, like, you know, you don't really have symptoms if it's like a, such a small thing. So they had like, and then when I did the scan, they detected like something was there was like a mass still in my stomach that was like very small, like wouldn't be causing me any symptoms. And they were like, okay, we're gonna cut, we're just gonna cut it out. We hope that it's just like cause sometimes you get like a, you can get like a benign regrowth sometimes. It doesn't necessarily mean it's like malignant. But uh, a half. Sorry?
0: About a nine, nine and a half.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, <man. laughs> Try out comic the comic. No, no, no. Bring it. <laughs> throw in the lot. get as many lights as we can. Um, yeah. So anyway, so they, they detected that, and they cut it out and they're like, okay, this is, this, this cancer. There's actual real cancer in here and, um, you know, we're going we're to have to do more chemo. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, that's how I found out. Um, yeah. So, and now I still do checkups, and obviously there's that anxiety still about every time I go in for a checkup. But look, I kind of feel really good. I feel really healthy. I feel like, you know, I, I like to think that I would know if something was wrong. Because mm-hmm. when I did go in for that checkup, I felt good, but I did notice there was I had a bit of a niggle in my back, and sometimes having back pain is a symptom for me. It was a symptom. Yeah. Um. So that kind of put I was a bit anxious. I was. I was a little bit anxious going to that one, probably maybe more so than normal. But um, anyway, I guess my point is, uh, I, I when, I, when I'm feeling healthy and I'm feeling good, I'm going to gym every day and I'm eating well, etc. Um, I don't. It helps me reduce the anxiety around the upcoming scan. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm like, well, I feel good. You know, I, you know, I don't think there's anything. They're gonna find anything, and if they do, at least it's mm-hmm. got. It can't be anything too severe because i'm feel great you know what i mean so um i'll probably have that anxiety at least for the next you know year or two while Mm. we're still scanning relatively frequently yeah but so yeah
0: i found that like see when in fact my wife would probably say agree with me that see the week kind of coming up to my scan Mm. you could see my mood just slowly starting to creep down
1: man that's so relatable to me so what what happens to you
0: so it, it was just that um just that Being insular, you know, I'm quite, I like to think I'm quite kind of outgoing and, Mm. you know, and, uh, but I certainly see that that time, you know, you could just, uh, I just wanted to sleep and hide away. I didn't really want to socialise because I I was just feeling that anxiety um, about kind of going into the hospital and the days that I was going into hospital, I found like, you know, panic attacks such a, a kind of overused term but certainly you know I, I found myself like oh, I don't know if I can walk in here yeah you know and really forcing the point to to walk in yeah so I suppose it's like you know did was you do you face something similar in that type of um anxiousness I suppose
1: yeah for sure it's like it's really funny because like you know I try to be very mindful now of like my emotions and my moods and stuff and um yeah sometimes I'll be like why am I in such a shit mood today and mm. Sometimes I'll be like, oh, I think I just didn't sleep much. I just didn't, I got bad. I slept last night. Or, um, or maybe I just haven't eaten for, you know, a few hours or whatever. But then I'll be like, oh, it's because I'm doing a scan in three days. You yeah. know what I mean? And then I'll be like, and it's just that, it's just that thing that I know is going to come up yep. in a few days. And there's this subconscious worry happening in the back of my mind. And I'm like, oh, that's why I'm in a bad mood. Yeah. I don't really know how else, I don't know how you deal with it. I just try to distract myself as much as possible. It's yeah. like, I mean, there's nothing I can like do, mm. you know, I have to go for the scan and we <laughs> just have to see what happens. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's, there's not like, there's no nothing I can like do to prepare for any better. Um, so I just try to distract, distract myself. I'm like, okay, let's just fill the day with, you know, work commitments and social commitments or, or whatever. Just, you know, let's just kind of keep myself dis- as distracted as, as as much as I can yeah. until I go for the scan and then I'll do the scan and then I'll, Try to distract myself again for another day or two until yeah. the results come back. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure if that's the healthiest way to do it, but yeah. I'm just like, yeah, if I just keep myself busy, yeah. then that helps me kind of not think about this, the anxiety of it.
0: I was probably healthier. Than mine, I, I, my my focus was always on. There's a wee cafe like that in Glasgow called the Tribeca Cafe. Yeah, it's like New York style food. So okay. my aim was always be, I'm going to go and get my scan. I'm gonna go and eat. I hefty load the pancakes. And as you can see, you know, <laughs> <laughs>
1: that, uh, Mate, that you got to do your post scan pancakes. You got to do your celebratory pancakes post scan. You
0: know, so I was always looking for the the celebration of. No, it's okay, Paul. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs>
1: yeah. that's go go go. You got to got to. Yeah, I mean every time I get a good scan, me and my wife we're like, we go for like a dinner. We're like, let's we got to celebrate the wins. You know what I mean? you gotta, yeah. You got to take the W's. That's what I say. Yeah. So um yeah, we took a lot of losses over a few years. So um yeah, whenever there's a W. You get through, whenever you get through a milestone, you get through a scan, you get through a blood test, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. You got to celebrate that. Oh, you
0: got to. You got to. I think when I got my all clear, I'm sure me and my wife went out for dinner, like as a, as a celebration. I've gone holiday. (laughs) Let's go to to
1: fucking. Let's do it.
0: (laughs) So were you, um, were you married or with your wife at the time when you got diagnosed? Yeah.
1: We've been, I mean, we've been together for about, um, what was it? Maybe like eight or nine years when I first got diagnosed. Um, we weren't married, but we've been together for for quite a long Mm -hmm. time and then, uh, yeah and then like you know i was you know I, I wanted to get married but i was like i kind of wanted to feel good about my health before that's you sure. know we did that so yeah well, then we got married end of last year where we felt like we had a bit more stability in our lives and we felt a bit more confident about our future and everything so mm-hmm. yeah i mean that's we had some you know we had to have some hard conversations about that mm-hmm. you know because she was like i don't want to it's grim stuff, but she was like, you know, I don't want to be a widow. I don't want to get married and then be a widow. And I was like, like that makes complete sense. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So yeah, I was like, let's let's deal with this, you know, as best we can and then and then we'll move on with our lives. So yeah, that was something that we had to talk about and, you know, be really honest about and mature about. Um Yeah, and obviously, you know, um, you know, we still have to think about my health mm-hmm. quite a bit. But well at least we think about it in like, you know, three to Six-month increments instead yeah, of, you know, of course, yeah. a daily thing. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, yeah. we And she's really great. She's you know, she always reminds me to be grateful of just, you know, I'll complain about, you know, something stupid like, oh, this gig, I'm doing this gig and then I'm, they're, they're running late or, yeah, I mean, I'll just complain about, you know, benign little things. Yeah. And then she'll be like, yeah, but, you know. Yeah, you could be dead. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) yeah, you know, I'll be like, oh, the Edinburgh show tonight wasn't very good. She's like, yeah, but you know, three years ago, like, the idea of you doing Edinburgh was like not even a possibility. So, so yeah, she's great. She really cares for me. She's got a great perspective.
0: Yeah, Uh, that's amazing. I think as well, it's like it's a perspective that you don't hear often talked about, like when you know, people talk about cancer, especially guys who have had to start with cancer, that there is that other side if you have a partner. And, like, that's... that The conversation that you've had with your wife, that's one I've, I've never even thought about, the fact that, you know, yeah, like, you know, long-term, does this affect our relationship as well? Like, you know, get married, you know, be a widow and things like that. You know, because, I mean, the one that certainly... that we had to have was we were trying for, like, uh, another kid at mm. the time. And obviously like you know like you know something wrong when you're you're kind of not falling pregnant and then when we found out that we were it was like that was the that was the biggest impact on my wife was like is this my shot of being a mother again done yeah as yeah, well yeah. you know so like the fertility thing's always quite a, a conversation that and when I'm out and doing talks there's guys who are like, you know in their early 20s and you know teenagers they're not going to think about their fertility nobody really does until they want to kind of have kids no as well so i mean is that without being kind of too personal is that something that you guys have had to discuss as well and
1: yeah well i mean like so before you know i started treatment i went to the ivf clinic mm-hmm. and had to jerk off into a cup yeah. so which i think is pretty standard procedure now for yeah. like men who go through kind of any chemo mm-hmm. um because just that's the impact chemo can just any kind of chemo can affect your fertility. Um, so yeah, but it was just weird that we had to even like think about, you know, if we want to kids, cause we mm-hmm. were like, we'd never even thought it, we'd never even spoken about it. Mm-hmm. And now we're forced to think, okay, well, are we ever going to want to have kids? And I guess, you know, we've got to do this to, you know, give us that option. Yeah. Because um, then you've
0: yeah. got to sign a consent form as well for yeah. your wife to so, yeah, use so, it if you die.
1: Yeah, well. that's <laughs> some grim shit as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you're looking at this form and you're like, and my, you know, my wife, Amanda was like, okay, so can I use your sperm to like have a kid if you die? And I'm like, fuck. How do you even,
0: even like if you're together in a long term relationship, yeah. how do you answer that question? You
1: know, I was like, I mean, I, I'm dead, so you can do whatever you want. <laughs> I guess like, <laughs> what is that was like my reaction? I was like, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. you could have the opposite. Like, I don't care. Yeah. If you want to re- recreate some of this, go for it. Yeah. Um, But yeah, cra- it's crazy to have to have that conversation. Mm. It's crazy. Yeah. Because it's it's such a, it's such a bizarre you know, you think it's usually it's just like a thought experiment. Yeah. But now it's like, oh, we actually have to make a decision and sign a contract and yeah. put a name to it. Um, yeah, it's very, very strange stuff. But, um, yeah, it does, again, yeah, it really forces you, like, think about your priorities in life. Mm-hmm. You know, we're kind of lucky that we don't really want to have kids, which is, like, kind of, like, yeah. fortunate. So, like, um, I mean, yeah, neither of us are kind of, like, very, I'm not very paternal. She's mm. not very maternal. So... Yeah, I mean, fortunately, that hasn't been, like, a huge, um, I guess, talking point for us. Mm-hmm. But I imagine for other couples, you know, it would be, like, a really big kind of thing. Yeah.
0: I think the one thing we you never really saw, I think because, you know, guys don't have these types of conversations anyway. You know, it's like um, when you look across um, even any kind of social media or YouTube, whatever, you don't really hear guys talking about, to stick like the cancer, they don't talk about their fertility, they don't talk about all these things. And like that's what like as cojones we try to do is try to kind of break down that stigma. Mm-hmm. So to be able to kind of have these conversations, you know, would have helped. See if um my wife always says that if she had seen our story from somebody, she wouldn't have been as worried. And um, because like but you just nobody ever talks about it. And I think, you know, it's it's great to be able to kinda of get even both sides of the coin of that. Like, yeah, like you guys, you know, don't want to have kids, but the options there for you, if you do, yeah, it's, you got to have the
1: option. Yeah, you might as well have it.
0: Yeah, and then for us, you know, it was that looking at, well, are we in a place where we need to go to IVF and all that type of thing because of the treatment? It was it so it's it's quite a big deal, and I think you know hearing stories like like this and guys talking about it, you know, I think the hope is that it really helps, you know, even you know, the wives and partners, they get guys who are going through it as well. Hopefully,
1: anyway, you know. No, Uh, I think so. I mean, there's not a lot of, I'm not sure what it's like in the UK or in in Scotland, but, um, you know, there's not a lot of, like, resources, you know, that are, like, people, first-hand accounts or from people talking about this stuff. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, I don't know, a podcast like this where, you know, if someone who's been recently diagnosed or has a partner or whatever who has been, um, I imagine this would be quite useful. Mm-hmm. I imagine hearing us talk about this would be quite useful. Yeah. So I'm glad that we can offer some sort of use to people in yeah. that regard. You know,
0: it's such a, and I think it's such a, an important thing as well. You know, it's to be able to kind of just take that stigma away. I think you, you'll be aware of this as well. Like Lance Armstrong, I, th- I don't think in the the, the late nineties, early two thousands, you, there was a yellow wristband on everybody's yeah, wrist. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that's yeah. what that's what I find interesting <laughs> about the Lance
1: Armstrong legacy because people are like, you know, I can't believe that guy like you know, cheated and, you know, whatever undermined the sport of cycling. And obviously that is bad. But also, he did he raised so much money. Yeah. Well, it's like I I'm so conflicted by that. Cuz yeah. like you could th- like possibly like his research helped me live. Yeah. So I'm like, I don't care if he Yeah. I don't care if he was injecting EPO. No. I feel like that pales in comparison to the the work that he did for his yeah. charity. Lots
0: of medals, life saved, you know. I mean, obviously <laughs> he's not a
1: I'm putting it this way, I don't think he's like a good person, probably. <laughs> he seems like an absolute psychopath. <laughs> but like but I still think overall his contribution to humanity is way bigger than what most people yeah. might do.
0: I mean you know there's no doubt, there's no doubt there to say that, you know now guys who were in the kind of stage Treatment that I was only get one round of chemo, whereas I had to go through two. Mm. So, but who's to say that you know if it wasn't like research for the Love Strong Foundation that helped guide that? 100% you know, so that guys weren't quite as uh, floored with chemotherapy yeah, or yeah, radiotherapy at yeah. that matter as well. So. Well,
1: exactly. I mean, I've thought and I watched his documentary when I think I was going through chemo and I was like, oh, I was like someone's it I was yeah. like, This is my hero. I don't care. I don't care how much how many injections he was taken in the back of a Ute on the on through the mountains of France. Um, Yeah, I I just I I find him to be a fascinating character for sure.
0: Oh, he really is. I I watched the documentary and I was I was. Much like yourself, I was so conflicted over him. Yeah, because, I mean, I, I'm not
1: conflicted. The <laughs> man's a hero.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. Like, see, the, and people can go, yeah, yeah, but he did this. It's like, but yeah, so did the fifteen other guys that were behind
1: him yeah. as well. Can I just say, you know, like, I mean, obviously he was probably the worst of the cheaters, but they're all cheating. Mm-hmm. They're all cheating. Yeah. And let's be honest, the ones, who, the other ones who cheat, who cheated, they weren't raising money for cancer on the side. So I'm just saying, I'm just saying. I think the real villains are the guys who cheated and didn't raise money exactly. for cancer. Second to fifteenth place are the real. Villains Fuck those guys. <laughs> that's what i That's, exactly. that's <laughs> really where I want to get to in this podcast. And, uh, listen, Lance, we love you. <laughs>
0: but uh, oh, but it was, it was such an interesting thing, and I never even really thought about it in that regard. That you know, yeah, his research would have added to you know guys like you and I across the world. You know, receiving. Different types of 100%, 100%. treatment. Hundred percent. I never even thought of that, never crossed my mind. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so yeah. It's uh, I suppose it's an interesting thing as well that um all the kind of the stuff that we kinda talk about and go through is men as well. So the the kind of biggest thing was with your treatment, you know, you talk about your anxiety, you talk about things like that. Um did you have any um struggles with mental health after? Uh, your treatment or was it just something that is just kind of
1: slightly there as such anyway? Yeah. I mean, I'm always a bit like, I'm, I'm always a bit like concerned. This might sound bad, but I'm concerned about like the over medicalization of mental health. Mm. Like I'm, I'm concerned about the way in which um, people are diagnosed with a condition when it's just a natural response to their circumstances. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, yeah. and I'm not, of course, like there are real mental health diseases, mm-hmm. you know, that are chemical and genetic and whatever. Yeah. But then there's just, you know, people. sometimes people are anxious and people are sad and depressed because their circumstances are anxiety inducing mm-hmm. and stressful and depressing circumstances. Yeah. So is which that... Is most of the population. That's pretty, which yeah. is most of it. I mean, <laughs> we're in Scotland right now. It's pretty, <laughs> I got up here and I'm like, geez, I can, it's, yeah, it's pretty great. It's pretty dreary. <laughs> uh, no wonder people come out to comedy clubs here. They need a laugh. Yeah. But, um, uh, so you know, like when I was going through treatment, obviously, like it was very, very challenging mentally, and it was it was very, it was very tough. But um, that was just a, a normal reaction to what I was going through. It mm. would be bizarre to not to not kind of have that that downness. And I, look, I, I was lucky that you know I had a amazing partner and a family, and you know friends who you know were very supportive, and I had a great network around me. And without them, you know, it would have been. So much, so much harder. Mm. So, but yeah, I I don't think I would ever say that I had like, you know, a medical mental condition at the time. Yeah. Um, Nor would I say that afterwards do I have something you could diagnose me with other than just being, I mean, when you're going for a, when you, when you're going every few months to find out if your, your cancer's coming back Mm. and even though it's unlikely, you still have to be ready for that possibility yeah, even though it might be remote yeah you still got it that's something you still think about i mean like of course you're gonna be anxious it would just be insane not to feel anxious mm-hmm. or stressed so yeah i um i just try to think of you know i try to notice it in coming up in my head i try to make sure that you know i'm aware of what i'm feeling at the time and try to have things in place to to help me deal with that yeah um and that's just you know how i approach it yeah. whereas yeah I, I just i get worried when you know people are start going on you know i don't know they start they start taking drugs or medications um and they start to like define themselves with by their mental health conditions mm. um i think I think that's particularly unhealthy um and again, that's not i i know there's this will be controversial, <laughs> but this is just what I believe deep down is that you know. There are natural responses to your circumstances. Yeah, for sure. And you just deal with the circumstance. It Doesn't mean that you're depressed mm-hmm. or you have anxiety, and doesn't mean you should be defined by that either. Yeah. So, yeah, I, th- that's how kind of like I'm not sure if that was kind of what you what you were kind of no, thinking about, yeah, but yeah. yeah, that's that's my those are my thoughts on the, on that topic. Yeah. Um, which is that yeah, if you get cancer. You should be sad, and you should be anxious, and you should be miserable. Mm. It sucks, yeah. um, and but that doesn't mean that you should be defined by that. Mm. You know, it just means that your circumstances are shitty, and you've got to find a way to to deal with this. Yeah.
0: So, yeah. so with that, um, like during like my treatment, I felt I was the same as yourself. You know, like you don't want to kind of you feel shitty. You know, you're not wanting antidepressants you know because it's just it's life that's happening to you yeah um the the kind of big thing you obviously you know a stand-up comedian you do it for a living you know my way of getting through my treatment was to try and just use like my own source of comedy and fun and things like that like do you think do you think that's something that you know is, should be easier for people to kind of look at just to try and see, you know, the situation as you know, yeah, it's really crap and it's yeah, it's shitty that you're going through chemo. But see, the way I always talk about it, me and my wife had some really funny moments <laughs> within man, me going through treatment. Man, it's it real so funny. Dry.
1: I mean, there's some really incredible experiences you go through when you go through a cancer diagnosis. Mm-hmm. You know, it's um, it's mostly shit, but then you also have these incredible opportunities to like, really like. You know, uh, you have these experiences where you're like, "Wow, we would never have like had this experience if yeah. not for cancer." Yeah. You know, like you become very close with people mm-hmm. um, because you all of a sudden are like have, you're like very vulnerable all of a sudden. Yeah, and um, and it's like without without the cancer diagnosis, you would never kind of be forced into that situation. Yeah. So yeah, there's like, I mean. It sounds insane, but like there are like some benefits to your life from getting a cancer diagnosis. Mm. I mean, mostly it's it's very bad, <laughs> but, uh, particularly if it kills you. But yeah. um, if it doesn't kill you, there is like, there are some things that you can achieve from it that are pretty amazing. That most people will never get close to achieving.
0: Yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of testament to that. You know, I was working as a nursing assistant in the hospital. Didn't really feel. That I was kind of going anywhere, so I just didn't really have much ambition. Yeah. Uh, to now, you know, I'm um, working for the the charity that you know I credit for saving my life. I get to go out and talk to people. I'm bloody hosting a podcast, like there you, you know, like that. That's that's huge. And like you say, it's out of uh, something really bad. You're able to turn it into something positive.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Mm. And it's like I imagine without that diagnosis, you'd probably have a very different life. Yeah, I wouldn't.
0: Wouldn't be sitting here today, probably. You yeah. Know? So, I mean, yeah, uh, I,
1: yeah I, I, it is interesting for me to reflect on my life. I feel like I wonder, you know, I, I guess I don't think I've changed too much from my mm-hmm. diagnosis because I, people, I, it's interesting because I spoke to someone um, recently um, who had cancer and she said that it forced her to like change careers. It even le- left, led her to like leaving her partner at the time yeah. because when you're just like forced to really confront mortality and the fact you only have perhaps something limited time on, on the planet mm. all of a sudden you make different choices yeah and that was fascinating to hear and i've spoken to a lot of people who have like you know got into cancer diagnosis change and then all of a sudden changed careers um, or left their, their partner or whatever yeah for me it was interesting in that i'd never felt like that because I always felt like all doing comedy was the thing that I wanted to do and the person I was with was always like the person I wanted to be with so I didn't really have those big like changes in terms of like my relationships or like my career but yeah it did force me to kind of like um really just assess what I was doing with my life Mm -hmm. and really just check that I'm doing the right thing yeah because um yeah most people are not pursuing their their goal Mm -hmm. their their dream that's just a reality is that most people's lives are um a series of compromises and then all of a sudden when you get told oh hey you could be dead Mm -hmm. in like a year or two you're like well no point compromising anymore you know what I mean let's go out with a bang. so yeah it's interesting that yeah I mean that's I mean and I think that is a benefit Mm -hmm. of being forced to confront with your own Death. It is, there's a really interesting like, kind of like um, philosophical idea about how like for people to like exist, they have to deny that death is going to happen. Yeah. Because yeah. like if you think about it, you're going to die. Yeah. Like you just be walking around all day just like screaming and crying and bawling all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so like the whole point of like being like the only way that humans can exist is to deny, is to in their mind think they're never going to die. Yeah. But then also being forced to realise you're going to die you can also force you to, like, achieve and be ambitious. So, yeah, it's just an interesting... Yeah, it's a fascinating paradox in, like, the human mind. It was was certainly one that I kind of confronted within my own roles
0: as well. You know, like, uh, it's an ironic um, analogy, but I always felt like Sisyphus Sisyphus rolling the stone up the hill. Mm. You know, I always felt like that, you know, and it's like... And then once my cancer diagnosis happened and then you're faced with that is this really what I want to be doing? You know, is there more? And then, you know, you get caught in that cycle of, yeah, but this is how I make my money. I'm, you know, I'm in my 30s. Do I really want to change career? Mm. And then, you know, you have that cancer diagnosis and you go, no, do you know what? Stuff it like. And then you just start building that momentum of going, no, I, I do want to change this and I'll do what i go going to try that. And and then taking the leap to, to leave the NHS and go into the, you know, the charity sector, you know, mm. it's, it's a, it was a huge thing. But one, I'll never, never changed really, you know? So. Yeah, you're yeah. never going to regret that. No, not even. Well, maybe. I, I thought, mean, because I get to speak to guys like you as well, you know what I mean? Like, how amazing is it? That's my job,
1: you know? Yeah, it's cool. I mean, like, here we are. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I mean, our paths, the, these diagnoses have brought us together. Yeah. Um, Which is very special, you know yeah. what I mean? Exactly. I, I don't know. I find, I, I think a lot about um, this is really fascinating quote from like Jim Carrey who just talked about how, like, um, his father was always really, really funny and, like, he always thought his father should have been in comedy or entertainment or something, mm-hmm. but he just chose to be an accountant and just have, like, a regular job and, you know, he just wanted that stability and that was the compromise that he made in his life. Yeah. And then his father died young, like, maybe in his 40s or 50s or something. Mm-hmm. And, like, Jim Carrey was like, oh, so you can take the safe option and still die? It's <laughs> like, what's – like, it's like, what's the point? Yeah. So, yeah, I guess my point is, like, yeah, being forced to – Confront your limited time, or that you might have limited time. Yeah, Mm -hmm. makes you make different choices, and I think that can be a huge benefit to some people.
0: Yeah, I think as well. It's like it's that that fear of making those different choices as well. I think that really gets people. eh, You know, you having to kind of really stare down that crossroads and go, "Do I want to?" Yeah, that it's such a hard thing, and uh, you know, facing that at some point. In, in every walk of life you know everybody does it and mm. you know t- to have the courage to kind of go and do that is um, takes a lot so uh, th- and here we are you know sitting here talking about to like cancer <laughs> yeah 100% <laughs> you know? two balls between us exactly right it's, it's probably the first time this, these couches have had two guys and only two balls <laughs> <you know? laughs> <laughs> it's, really, it's it's, it's a, unique, uh, a unique thing to be uh, be part of. <laughs> Usually it's an odd number. Oh well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> like the bowling balls. But uh, <laughs> I suppose as well, like so. See when you got like um like so you you got the all clear now? Is that you sitting? Or are you because you're still really going doing those?
1: Yeah, I mean like basically they say, look, we don't see any cancer in you. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, I've been told that before, so yeah. you know, we just gotta be careful and vigilant. Yeah. So my doctor's like, We think you cured. Yeah. Um, but we have to confirm that and we won't be able to confirm it for another, you know, probably imagine another year or two or yeah. something. Roughly. So see,
0: like uh, you've you you live out in Australia but you've moved to London, so did that care switch? You know, I know up in uh well up here in Scotland the uh, it went from ten years of being kinda looked after to like five, and then that was you. Like you were considered kind of done. Is that the same in Australia and in England, or?
1: Yeah, I pretty. I think. I mean, I've been told like kind of like five years yeah, okay. is when like they like okay, you, you don't have to come back here anymore. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, but my doctor said to me, look, I kind of if you have like two, basically if you have like two years where like we're not saying anything, mm. you know, just the chances of anything popping up after that are just like it's basically never happened before. Yeah. So he's like look if you if he's basically said to me like if you kind of go for 2 years without kind of us seeing anything on scans or blood tests you know you can feel pretty pretty confident about yourself. Yeah. So I think I'll be at that 2 year mark um relatively soon but I don't know maybe I'll probably I probably won't feel good until we hit maybe 3 or 4 years you know mate. Yeah. What I mean? uh, um despite what what he tells me. So but, uh, but yeah, and he's, he's, uh, you know, he's one of the best, um, testicular cancer doctors in the world. Um, he treated me in Melbourne and he's referred me to his colleague in, in London, who's or another one of the best yeah. in the world. So I, f- I do feel like, um, I'm in really good hands and I can trust what they tell me. Yeah. You're but well I'm also, though. I'm also like, yeah, but okay, well, I'll relax yeah. maybe a year after you guys relax, you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> yeah uh this is this is maybe way too a personal question but it's just uh, so after you kind of got your operation stuff did you go for the, the implant or did you or did you just
1: great question uh, not personal at all i talk about it on stage all the time <laughs> um no i did not get the implant yeah. um because my urologist just said he kind of advised me against it mm. really he said look I've done it for some men, and sometimes they come back and say it's uncomfortable, I want you to take it out. So I was like, okay, well, then let's just – I mean, it's purely aesthetic, Mm -hmm. which I think is very funny Mm. just because I think balls are – there's not much you can do to make balls better looking, do you know what I mean? I've always taken the less is more approach to testicles (laughs)
0: because
1: I don't think they're particularly attractive uh, to anyone, particularly women. So – but no, my doctor. But you know, you do hear the fact that, like, like if you're a, if you're a young guy, you're eighteen, 19, 20, and you lose a testicle, and then you're going out and you're you know having dating women or whatever. You know that you might there might come a point where you have to. Explain why there's only one testicle in your ball sack. Yeah, and yeah. maybe they want to have the replacement there just so they can delay having that conversation, <laughs> or perhaps never have that conversation. Never. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I can see there's obviously that benefit to it, yeah. but I was like, nah, no, I, let's just. I'll just have the one. That's mm-hmm. fine as long as it does the job. It's oh,
0: fine. I was the same. I, I didn't opt for it either. I didn't. There wasn't even a bit of me thought about going for it either. Like yeah. Think I'm. I'm not the. I'm not the type that my masculinity is tied to my testicles
1: yes i think there's also that which is a weird thing as well are like no but i want to have balls and so i'm a man (laughs) and it's like well that's a pretty lame way to kind of define your masculinity that you got a little plaster thing in your in your balls that makes you feel like a man yeah no that's even that's even (laughs) lamer that's awful i hate that so um yeah but i i mean look i'm sure that i mean look Whatever men have to do to feel good about themselves, go for it. You're not harming anyone else. Yeah. but that ah, was my approach to it.
0: Uh, if that's what makes you feel better after it as well,
1: go for it. Have put, put three yeah. balls in there. Have an extra one if it <laughs> yeah. makes you feel better. See, they, d-
0: they didn't offer that. Yeah, know? they should offer the third. <laughs> yeah, you know, just like <laughs> you should oh, be no. able to compensate. Just like that David Bowie thing, you know, in <laughs> labyrinth. You know, let's just go for that. <laughs> yeah, you know, those
1: uh, makes of those. You know, those perpetual motion. Yes. Um device with the ball sitting in it. Yeah. Put one of those in. Just have it always. Just always clicking. You're just always clicking for the rest of your life, <laughs> if that's what you need, to feel like a man. <laughs> could you imagine? <laughs> people could just hear you coming down the corridor a while There's
0: Colin coming down the street.
1: <laughs> always clicking that man. He wants everyone to know. Uh, no. I just had to,
0: I had to endure the, the fact that my name's Paul and I've only got one ball. So, you know, I've been one, one ball, ball Paul. One is, ball, Paul.
1: <laughs> Lucky didn't when you didn't have one when you were a kid, you know, otherwise the kids would be merciless. Well,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, to be fair though, we did, maybe it's karma because we did have a guy in school who was also called Paul mm-hmm. who had an undescended testicle. Uh, so was he called? And he was called one ball. He had two balls, but he was still called one geez, ball Paul. He's pretty stiff, isn't he? Isn't <laughs> yeah, he? so.
1: Pretty unlucky to get that, that moniker. Yeah. yeah and so there yeah, you were. Yeah. Did you call him one, one ball? One ball, Paul. I probably did at one point. Well, that's your you karma, so isn't it? Calmer, right? yeah, yeah, I probably did at one point. God was like, know? "Fuck this guy."
0: <laughs> He's like, "Listen, I know what you did." Yeah, that
1: was your that was your atonement. Very much so. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> but it was uh, uh, that was the good thing? I think like when I was going through treatment and having mates who. Were able just to kind of make those jokes as well. Do you know what I mean? Like you kind of touched on it earlier, um, having that good support network and things like
1: that. The worst is when people won't make jokes, That's yeah. awful. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's like, no, I'm you don't patronize me by not making jokes about me, yeah,
0: exactly. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Make fun of me,
1: please 100% because you would have before. So, <laughs> you know, it's funny because like I did a gig where, um, where I was like in between camera and i obviously, you know, looked bald and everything, mm. and um. Do you know that movie? Uh, there's a movie, I Am Legend, with uh, Will Smith, um, where, and it's like, there's like one of those zombie movies, and all the zombies yeah, are yeah, out yeah. to killing yeah. whatever. Um, anyway, like, I went on stage, and then, like, afterwards, the host came on afterwards and made a joke how I looked like I one of the zombies or whatever from right. that movie. And I thought it was really funny. I'm like laughing. And um, and the and there were people in the crowd who were like, people laughing, and then also people in the crowd were like, "Oh, well, can you say whatever? I thought it was funny. And I was laughing to let everyone know, like, no, this is fine. Yeah. yeah. But then anyway, then the, the MC messaged me the next day, be like, Hey, just, um, sorry about that joke last night. Like, I didn't mean to, like, I'm sorry if you're, if you're upset or anything about it. I was yeah. like, I'm upset you apologized. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's <laughs> yeah. uh, funny. Like it was, it's, it, it, I'm more upset than the fact that you would think that you have to apologize to me. Yeah. Like, I get where it's coming from, but, but like, yeah. you know, I uh, I think it's patronizing to, to not make jokes about a group of people.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, I had to, I had colleagues, you know like. You know, working in the health board and things like that. You know, you you, you see lots of various things, that, and even like the mention of like, because I'll still go. God, that's that's worse than getting a kick in the balls. You know, yeah, and, and making it plural, and somebody will turn around and go, "Ball," and it'll be this big laugh and this, and then you know, hours later about listening, I'm really sorry, I shouldn't have said that. I'm like, yes, you should have. That's why you said it because it's funny. <laughs> Dude, I
1: kind of have like maybe almost the exact same situation. I work. So I used to work on this TV show on Channel Ten. And um, we're in like the meeting with like um, the, the the panel who were like pretty famous people in Australia. I, I won't say name names, whatever, but really like in the meeting we were talking about what's on the show that day, and um, it just happened to like something about men losing a testicle just happened to come up in conversation yeah. outside of it wasn't related to me at all. And then one of the people on the show who's very, very famous. <laughs> um, she goes oh, just like as a joke, she's like, ah. Oh. Nothing sadder than a man with one testicle, you know? And like it was in that context, it was very funny. Mm-hmm. But then she looked and then she like knew me, and then she was like and then she looked at me and was like, Oh, like, I mean, you know, obviously I'm as a, it's a joke. Yeah, I'm like, yeah. fuck off. That's funny. Like, don't apologize <laughs> yeah. to me. That's a very funny thing to say. So yeah, I think when when people feel awkward around you, that's that's when it's uh it feels weird, you know? Yeah.
0: So um have you seen uh What's the australian tv show um calling from accounts Have you oh seen i haven't
1: seen it but like i know it's a big show
0: yeah and it's the the, the, the kind of main guy and it's had testicular cancer yeah, yeah yeah and it kind of comes out of the blue because you don't really expect it at the first day and it was like and it was such a a unique way of kind of talking about testicular cancer but not really talking about it at the same time mm. It was really, it's really really good like yeah, and like typically like you know like things Coming out of Show, it's really funny, you yeah. know. What I mean? So it's like <laughs> there's a few funny Australians, yeah, yeah. They yeah, pop up every now and again, yes, yeah, they kind of do all right, yeah. No, it's like, like, like I said to my wife, I says, You know, Michael's made it into my top three favorite uh, of all time, <laughs> so, oh, David, who's not, who's who are the other two oh <laughs> Oh, well, Colin, the dog from accounts, okay. okay, and yeah, Joe yeah. Mangle, and so who Joe Mangle from Neighbours. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> he was the greatest character on TV when I was growing up. Joe Mango was a hero
1: to everybody. <laughs> it's funny to me, by the way, just how how Big Neighbours is um, in the UK. Yeah. Because yeah. in Australia, it's kind of like a bit of a punchline. It's yeah. A, it's like it's long running soap opera that no one really in Australia watches anymore. Yeah. We watched it in like maybe the 80s or the 90s or whatever. Yeah, when it was first new and exciting. When it was new, <laughs> Carly <laughs> Minogue was on it. We were yeah, like, yeah, this yeah. is big. Um, but now no, it's just on like one of those you know satellite channels now in <laughs> Australia but then I come to London and I see like billboards and like <laughs> posters I'm like well, what is this parallel universe where uh, Neighbours is big mate see when Harold Bishop got swept
0: away off that rock I've never cried so much in oh life. my gosh <laughs> <laughs> honestly God <laughs> only, like see uh, it was uh,
1: that and the Queen Dine those are the two things that really upset the UK the most it pretty much did yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sorry I shouldn't be out the royal family in scotland i no, apologize no, it's all right it's all right it's a point of <laughs> contention i know <laughs>
0: uh but yeah honestly yeah it's it's just, it's just so interesting though to to kind of sit and talk to somebody like this and that kind of have that long-form conversation about the of cancer as well and, and and barely kind of have a laugh and i think that's that's really what we're trying to kind of do as well as like mm. just let's say you know it's like, like the conversation we literally just had is it's okay to laugh about cancer you know it's like if especially if you've if you've, you know... If it's crazy talking, not to. Yeah. It's
1: crazy. I feel like... Cause I once did, like, an interview in a newspaper and uh, and they, surprisingly, actually put a quote of mine in context, basically, where, yeah. where I was basically saying, like, you know, I think cancer can be funny, mm. you know. Like, I don't... Like, I think anything can be funny, including cancer. Yeah. And then, uh, I don't know, someone messaged me on Facebook. I was like, oh, I just read your article. And was like, well, I want you to know that I've got breast cancer and I don't find anything funny about it. I'm like, okay, well, sorry that you can't laugh <laughs> yeah. at your own cancer. That's that's something for you to deal with. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, the way that I deal with my cancer is to talk about it and laugh at it. And I think that talking about cancer on stage and making is so important. You know, so mm-hmm. important to destigmatize it and make people feel comfortable mm-hmm. talking about it and laughing about it. So, yeah, I, I think um, I understand where those people come from, Yeah, but I just think that they're – wrong and i think that it kind of harms can harm themselves and also just harm you know the cancer community more broadly
0: yeah well i think it harms the 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 stigma around it and talking about it yeah you know one of the kind of big things that i always bring up in my talks is you know at school you know girls were always taken away and they were talked about like their periods and things like that and as boys were just left in a classroom, you know,
1: yeah, not talking about anything. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're like, what's
0: going on over <laughs> we're there? Like, what's what's happening? Are they all syncing
1: one? up? What's happening yeah. over there?
0: What's going on? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah.
1: It's so true. It's like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's really that's interesting. Like when you do like sex, it is similar because when you do sex education and they separate the boys and the girls, it just makes it like then both sides are wondering like, what the fuck, What the fuck's going on over there? Like, what's yeah. and it just creates this even is more ignorance around it and. Yeah, and then it creates more barriers between. I, 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 I can see that that um that similarity. Yeah, that when you don't talk about something, it just makes it stranger, and yeah. eventually you're going to have to learn about it. Exactly. <laughs> so yeah. you know, anyway, it's a good point.
0: Yeah, and and that's why we're trying to kind of get kind of into schools and, and and educate it for a younger age. I mean, you hear the 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 argument that um no, you don't want to – because you don't want to frighten kids about cancer Mm. but you know but you can't have that message like that oh no you don't want to kind of talk about cancer but at the same time talk about early detection
1: yeah you know yeah 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 (laughs) how
0: does that how does that work then you know so
1: yeah look uh, I mean look I'm not a parent so I don't really kind of relate to that whole idea of you got to protect the kids and like I get obviously got to protect kids but also like there's got to be a point where you tell them that Santa Claus isn't real. Do you know what I mean? Like everyone has to have that moment. Yeah, you know, yeah. everyone has to. And then what about like when you're when you're a kid and your grandparents die? Like mm. that's when you start to learn about death. Yeah. Um. Or when you a pet dies, mm. like, you know. So. I'm not saying, you, you know, you teach the kindergartners about that they're all going to die, but no. I'm just saying, like... <laughs> He's existential. <laughs> all right, kids, we've got some hard truths <laughs> for you. I know you're three, you just finished finger painting, but the handle clause isn't real and your parents are going to die. Like, that's a, that's a harsh day at school. But um, I'm not saying that. But, yeah, I mean, there has to be a point where it, it is... It is I, don't, I don't know what it is, the system's like in the UK, but no one in Australia really talks about... There's no, like, part of the curriculum where people talk about, like, I don't know, health and... Cancer and death and grief and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah, it does strike me as strange. That isn't. Are
0: you part of like embedded in the curriculum as such? Yeah, but, yeah. given
1: that it's it would be so important to so many kids' yeah. lives. I think it's
0: getting better now. Certainly, when I was a kid, it, it wasn't like even when I was in high school, you know, it, it wasn't something that was touched on. But I think now uh, we're seeing that, you know because we're, get, we're getting invited into schools that mm. that it's, well, it's people it's our age so it's guys and uh, girls who weren't taught about this stuff so they're going no no rather than be in a situation where we're, we're facing no information like we did mm. let's teach our kids and obviously it's all at like the appropriate time the appropriate age limit and yeah, things yeah, like yeah. that and but actually i find some of the the schools that i've went to the kids have been so responsive uh, and come. Comparison to like some of the football clubs that we've went into, you know, the kids are like really engaged and really want to know and learn more, they come up and talk to you afterwards, whereas, you know, you get, you went to some places and it's like, they're
1: I think it does help with a school, day also because like you're like a cool guy. Do you know what the school. I'm kind
0: of climbing up in those years, mate. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but you know they're probably like, yeah. oh, like he's not a teacher. Do you know what I mean? Like this is cool. Do you know, so I think you've got a, you've got an opportunity with the kids there. Yeah. Whereas I like, walk to a football club, they're like, yeah, oh,
0: yeah, this this guy.
1: Yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. So maybe there's just a different kind of energy there.
0: I think because I walk in and it's like an uh, our school, and one of the first slides is all the different words for testicles. So like, well,
1: that's yeah. You know,
0: so you just talk. That and okay. you rhyme them off, and somebody's saying balls and ghoulies
1: at <laughs> I mean, school. So I mean that you're you're gonna have them for, for you got them in the palm of your hand exactly. after that. Yeah, yeah,
0: literally. T- and yeah. <laughs> here we go, here we go. Now we're cooking.
1: <laughs>
0: but, yeah, but no, it's it, it, it's good to be able to kind of do that and 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 talk to the like any really anybody that will listen to us talk bollocks. Essentially, you know, I think mm. that's that's a good thing and. You know, having support from you know people like yourself, you know, and you know having our uh, other ambassadors come on and and just like listen, listen to this message. It's it's not an overly complicated message for testicular cancer. It's Check your balls once a month. You know it's, it's
1: not that hard. Yeah, it's
0: not. That, I mean, we're lucky. We only have to do it for a minute now, rather than two minutes. But
1: yeah, <laughs> we've saved so much time. Oh, he's cut that time right in half. In fact, I would recommend to the men listening: just take a ball out already. Well,
0: exactly, half
1: your chance of getting cancer. Yeah, half the time you spend in the shower. Yeah. It's great. And, like you've
0: already kind of said in your, your
1: stand-up, you'll look great in skinny jeans. you look great. You can finally that's, – that's true. You can, <laughs> you'll be able to wear skinny jeans, a lot, more, a lot more air to breathe, a lot more room around the crotch. Yep. There are benefits. Yeah. There are benefits.
0: Although, um, I, like, you wouldn't know it to look at me, but I started doing spin classes.
1: Oh, great. And so being on a bike – So much easier. <laughs> Honestly. Mate, that's a genuinely another huge benefit for yeah, me too. Yeah, I didn't realise that having two testicles would be a hindrance to sitting on a bike. Oh, it limits your um, your options. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> It limits the way. Maybe that's why Lance Armstrong was so good at... Uh, Just,
0: maybe it was one <laughs> another one to go as well, you know?
1: <laughs> maybe that was the real advantage. Yeah. The exactly. real advantage wasn't the EPO. It was he actually had one ball. Exactly. That was what really should have got him out in the end. It's It's more in
0: aerodynamic. That's, that's exactly it's what aerodynamic. it aerodynamic. It's
1: always like, you know, you can like sit in different... You can like shift your weight around much more easily on the bike <laughs> yeah. seat. We're not worried about crushing a ball.
0: Exactly.
1: Oh, man. that's uh, We've really come full circle here. We
0: have. Yeah, I love this.
1: <laughs> that's a great theory. That That's why... That's actually... That was really... Since Lance Armstrong's real bad first yeah
0: that is actually it wasn't cheating with EPO I
1: was losing the test you know, I've been trying to find a, like a new angle on Lance Armstrong for I would say six years there you go and I reckon we've just found a new angle that see. I might be able to explore on yeah. stage one day
0: <laughs> and you should <laughs> yeah, and just, yeah. just
1: remember when <laughs> well I've been looking for new material on cancer I'm like well now we've got the Lance Armstrong idea
0: well exactly exactly
1: <laughs> <laughs> guys if you come and see me at a show in the future and I'm talking about Lance Armstrong know that this was the podcast part of the kernel of the idea yeah.
0: it's as. Going to go down is one of your greatest jokes. I can feel it. All yeah, right yeah, here. it's an old <laughs> Yeah, you know, That'll be the one that people will be shouting, you know.
1: Do uh, the Les Armstrong bit. Armstrong bit. I'll be calling it, I'll do the encore. Les Armstrong
0: bit. This one time, uh, I was on a podcast.
1: Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: <laughs> but, um, so yeah, um, in terms of kind of. uh, Doing checks and stuff like that, you still regularly kinda checking yourself, doing that kind of
1: Yeah, like I'm like really aware of, you know, what it feels like when you have cancer and stuff. Yeah. But um I guess for me, like I mean because the chances of it coming back in like the second testicle are like just crazy, crazy low. So I guess I don't have to worry about it coming back in another in my other testicle. But like I'll obviously do like check and like I think there was one time where I was like, Oh, like I felt I thought I felt like Something in the other mm. one, just because I'm crazy neurotic, so I went in for an ultrasound and they were like, "Yeah, you're just you're fine." Yeah. Like, it's
0: I done the exact same thing by the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It just suddenly was like, "No, no, I've got cancer." Yeah, <laughs>
1: okay. yeah,
0: and it was in the midst of like the the in between scans and things. I was like, no, no, please get me in there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh,
1: yeah. I think I'm, I'm sure it must be a very common occurrence when you've had it once, but like, yeah. um, so yeah, I was just probably just being, I was being like overly cautious, yeah. but my doctors were happy to, to humor me just to make me kind of relax and whatever. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, like obviously, like I'm, um, I, I know it, I know not to look, what to look out for, you know, if it, if there's like, if it changes in size or if there's like, um, you know, a firmness or, or anything like that. Yeah. I think just, I think one thing is that a lot of men are like, oh, I'll have cancer when I'm pissing blood. That's how I'll know. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, no, that's not how, like, if you're pissing blood, you're dead already. Yeah. So, like, yeah, a lot of the times, like, that's not really, you don't really feel anything. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no pain associated. A lot of the times, no pain and it's, um, Yeah, so it's just your ball might be changing shape or or feeling different or something in some way. So um, that's kind of the good thing about that type of cancer is like you can actually just like see it and spot it yourself. Yeah. Whereas, you know, not all cancers you can actually just see with your own eyes. Mm -hmm. So... um, yeah, so, like, it's, it's one of those ones where it's, like, you can actually just deal with it really early and effectively if, you, yeah. if you're if you kind of smart about it.
0: It's one of the things I always say as well, like, when I'm going out, it's, like, you don't need any equipment apart from your hands, you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, and that's it, you know. Yeah, like, 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 we
1: have to go to a bloody door and get the mammogram and yeah. do the machine and stuff. You just
0: have to get in a hot bath or a hot shower. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. And you, let's be honest, you're probably going to be around that area anyway, so, exactly. you know.
0: So, die. Nah, it's, it's true, though, like, I mean this guys who got hands down our pants bloody often enough All so the time.
1: you know you see those guys that are just like just like they try to warm their hands while putting yeah. their hands like <laughs> They're always just down their pants and i'm like <laughs> yeah. well i mean while you're down there you might as well just see if you've got cancer or not but um yeah i mean it's such an easy thing to do so i like, mm-hmm. just do it you know
0: so obviously it's going of like this with this podcast you know we're trying to make it as gonna is as far reaching and and hopefully you know the people who come on and listen to it have take something away from it. You know, is there any advice that you would give to somebody who is at any point of their cancer, their cancer journey, to stake their cancer journey that that you learned through yours that, you know, if somebody had told you this, you would have appreciated it?
1: Well, that's a really good question. I mean the only thing I would say one something that really helped me was like I spoke to like another person who had just like gone through the treatment that I was about to go through. And at the same hospital, and he was just like, gave me so great advice. I'm like, okay, first day you get in, make sure you got a good pillow. Because like <laughs> the pillows they give you a shit, bring your own pillow in. And then they were like, okay. And then like, they'll bring you food. And it's like, okay, like breakfast is good, lunch is shit. Just like, <laughs> just like that kind of yeah. like n- real minute details about the experience yeah. that were really particular to like the hospital I was in and like the treatment I was going through. Like just that. So if you're like going through it or you're about to start it, it's really handy to speak to someone who's just done it because they can give you all that kind of advice. Um, And the other thing that I think probably just applies broadly is that um, I think that everyone's cancer experience is very unique Mm. in the sense that everyone's cancer is like diagnosed at a slightly different stage is going to be like a slightly different type of tumor um, and your treatment and how it responds to treatment is going to be different, how you respond to treatment is going to be different. So it's just really important you take that into account understand how like unique your situation is because you always want to be like you always want to look at the the data and the stats and be like oh okay well this person went through the cancer and then they died so i'm going to die or this person went through the cancer and they only had to do like one cycle of chemo and they were cured so that's going to happen to me and it's like you know it's you can't really kind of base your how you're going to go through your treatment based sure. on what other people have been through. I mean, like data and stats are useful for like when doctors are prescribing medicine and working out what's going to be the best thing to, to work for you. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the way that you respond individually is always going to be really unique to you. So yeah. I think it's just so important to like just, um, you know, st- you know get, I guess, base you know, how you feel about your situation on like your doctor and your team who know you and your case specifically yeah. rather than trying to base how you feel about things off data and what's happening in this latest research with this drug? Because I just feel like all of that is um, kind of um, a bit remote to, to your individual experience.
0: Yeah. That's a really good point, actually. Like I never really thought about that, but yeah, to, to not focus on – Duh. You know I, mean? I would do that because yeah. I was doing that heaps. Like yeah. when I was getting done, uh, I, uh, like,
1: I was like, okay, well, I'm, I was researching, okay, this is the treatment they give me. How many people survive yeah. after six months or 12 months, five years, whatever? I'm like, and I'm like, yeah, like, like I was reading that, you know, and sometimes it made me feel better, sometimes mm-hmm. it made me feel worse, but it, you know, it, it was kind of pretty irrelevant because, you know, this is like data that's just based on. Thousands of men who have got different stages of cancer, different types of cancer, or whatever you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, so you know it was kind of like not, you know, maybe it made me feel better at a moment, but it also make me then feel not better at other moments. So mm. yeah, I think just staying, yeah, just l- l- getting the information from like your doctor, you know, the person who knows your case specifically, I think is really what you can base, mm. you know, your your outlook on, yeah, rather than trying to you know, find stories in the news or yeah. research papers that might make you feel better or might make you feel worse. Yeah. You know, all that stuff is, I I, th- I think, kind of unhelpful to look at overall. Yeah.
0: I it's just going to be make a, a muddled picture for you as well.
1: Yeah, exactly. Because yeah. you'll be like, well, my doctor said this to me, but now I'm looking at this data and this says something else. And mm-hmm. it's like, um, yeah, I think you have to like, you know, hopefully your doctor knows what they're doing. Yeah, <laughs> and usually yeah. they do. If they're an oncologist, they've probably you know, got a lot of experience and Mm -hmm. they've probably treated a lot of people and they've done it for many, many years. So I think um, you just have to like trust the doctor, the nurse, the team that's treating you because they they know your staging, they know what type of tumor it is, they know what kind of chemo you're going through, they know your blood counts, they know your liver results, your kidney function, they know all that stuff. That's all really unique and personal to you. So that's kind of where you have to, you know, get your information from.
0: Yeah excellent no no thank and thanks very much for for giving me that insight as well um thank you so much for Coming on the podcast, mate. Right. Thanks for having yeah. me. I'll say it. I didn't. I didn't
1: really even know at the start that we, when the podcast had started because I thought we were just having a great chat. <laughs> and then I'm like half an hour, and I'm like, oh, I think this is the podcast. <laughs> so that's a real. Can I just, that's a real testament to you. I didn't even realize we were doing a podcast. <laughs>
0: that's a real testament to the guys here as well. Yeah, yeah. Calm, you know. So it's, uh... <laughs> I
1: was like, oh, I think yeah. there's a red light there. I think it's rolling. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, thanks for making it so chill and so fun. And I, I apologize if I said anything in the first thirty minutes of the podcast that. Um, should not go to air because I was like, "Are we?" Uh, but um, no, not I, at all. I, I, think I think it was all really honest and good.
0: Yeah, it really helped me as well. You know, being my first podcast and stuff, so it, it definitely helped me. That no, was great. Um, I like
1: it. Yeah. Don't tell people when you're rolling. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's good because yeah. it's yeah. like, oh, you'll just get like a really smooth
0: transition. Yeah. yeah. Now you the base I got. As yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Now you're
1: getting. You know, this is like not. Not this is just like the uh, the director's cut of the podcast <laughs> yeah. where we analyze the podcast. Yeah. At the end. it's great.
0: <laughs> um. So. This is uh, kind of uh, your your time to kind of say like where you know where people can find you where they can see your comedy. Oh, and yeah, like that. Um,
1: find me on uh, social media just at Michael Schaefer. It's uh, Michael then Schaefer S H A F A R. Um, I'm on all the all the platforms. You can check me out there, and uh, I've got a comedy special on YouTube, uh, That's called All Right Next Joke, right? There are some cancer jokes in there if you want to check that out. And uh, I've got a podcast as well. It comes out every week. Um, it's not about cancer. It's just me talking about the news, which is a much sadder topic actually, <laughs> usually. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it, that's called uh, Topical with Michael Schaefer. You can find that on all the apps. So, uh, yeah, check me out and, uh, yeah, come to a show. Next time I'm in your city. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, thank you very much, mate.
1: Thank, thank you, man. Appreciate it. it.
0: Thanks, man.